Alrighty then, welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, Whamageddon Survivor this year, in that I didn't hear it at all, and I feel fantastic. Did you survive, Adam? <laughs> Whamageddon? Did you make it? Yeah, did you make it without hearing Last Christmas by Wham? Uh... I hadn't actually even thought about last Christmas until you brought it up. And okay, so you did. So you survived too. Well, that's good. This, that's two of us. That that song doesn't even bother me the most of like any of these. <laughs> like in terms of like the modern Christmas mood, like music, oh. like that's not that's not even the worst offender. It's it's almost quaint now because there's hey, that. Santa, yeah, special place in hell for some of those songs. Let me tell you. Wow. <laughs> wow. Spoken like someone who's worked in retail for 20 oh. years. <laughs> Listening to what is it? What is it, the channel that does like Christmas music 24 hours a day starting November 1st? Is that Chime? Yeah, it should be banned, but yeah. <laughs> it's a when I was a retail, it was uh, Oni M Christmas and uh, Rita McNeil on cassette, and that was the only two the store had. And uh, I might get by, by the end of that season, it was like. You know, I needed therapy. So, all right. Well, Christmas is over. All right. Uh, Open Source is a CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. However, this week, since it's the last show before the new year, uh, it's all about the awards. We are going to give out our usual awards, and boy, there are some pretty impressive nominees in some of these categories yeah um i'm wondering if there might be some crossover because there's just like some uh as as maybe one one of our sort of lifetime members might say there's some real beauties on this list but uh beauties yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's another one (laughs) some total champions um (laughs) so our our nom our our award categories are the worst politician of the year, the good news story of the year, the dumpster fire of the year, and the best politician of the year. Um, so we're gonna go in that order. We're gonna do two, take a break, and come back and do the last two. Um, so let's just jump right in. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna start us off with my pick for worst politician. Um, even though I mean I always phrase worst politician as someone who completely failed like they may have terrible policies but still win an election or still like have some kind of victory so that doesn't necessarily make them the worst the worst in my mind tends to be someone who fails completely on a policy level on an electoral level perhaps even on a personality level i think we have the trifecta here this (laughs) is a this is a person who um despite her tremendous failures will forever be i think the answer to two trivial two different trivial pursuit questions who was prime minister when Queen Elizabeth II died, and who had the shortest tenure of any prime minister of the UK and Northern Ireland? And the answer to that, as well as the answer to who I think the worst politician of the year is, is Liz Truss. Oh, yeah. She, uh, utter and complete... Uh, just I, I I I wish there was a I wish there was a better word than failure. Failure just doesn't seem to quite do it. When you move into Downing Street one day and six weeks later you move out again. Um and then right in the middle of that, the Queen of England dies. And she could have um 
I hate to say it, she could have rebooted after the Queen died because you know she managed to, you know, do the things that's expected of a British Prime Minister in in those circumstances. And um, the 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 spotlight was immediately on her after she she won the Conservative leadership because it seemed like she had thrown out anything even remotely independent or i guess differential to the to, to the conservative movement in england she was anti-brexit she became pro-brexit she had thrown in with um you know the money people she was talking about cutting taxes for the rich and doing all these other things in the middle of the economic crisis she was coming into the thing Again, selected by the party membership alone. So there was no popular support yet. Then the queen dies. And then after the queen, after like the, the two weeks of of sackcloth and ashes, she comes in like, what was I doing before? Oh, yeah, I was cutting taxes for the rich and, and getting rid of these subsidies and making it harder for people to get health care. And uh, I'm also inflating the deficit in order to fund these massive gaps in in. In, in the treasury that I'm creating. And uh, within 45 days, she's gone. And again, it's it's just, it's so remarkable how someone is like so tone deaf, so um, like out to, out to lunch. And it, uh, there are tons of articles about why Liz Truss failed. And a lot of them boil down to, she did not bring anyone into her circle who might have disagreed with her. They were all like yes men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of personalityless. Um, she really wasn't kind of a retail politician. And you know, the third thing, as I mentioned, is that she just seemed to like throw out anything even remotely resembling an independent thought to just be all in with Brexit stuff and neoliberalism. And uh, interestingly, her father is like this, like ultra liberal math professor. And apparently, mm-hmm. like he's kind of disowned her because she's become this like <laughs> neoliberal shill. <laughs> um, so it's just you know, it's you hate to see it because we do want female political leaders to succeed. Um, but it, it isn't even just about her ideology. It's just she had the worst possible ideology, the worst possible time. England and and the UK have been smacked with inflation harder than we have. You know, Pierre Polyver can joke all he wants about just inflation, but. <laughs> It's you know this is a worldwide phenomenon, and some places have got it harder. And so, so Liz Truss was just the worst possible leader at the worst possible time. And then to add insult to injury, she's gone so quick that Boris Johnson thinks he can make a comeback. He, he, <laughs> he eventually decides against it, but but there you are. So um, I'm very interested to see who you have as worst politician of the year because uh, boy, I I uh, I thought Liz Truss rose above all other contenders, but I'm I'm very interested to see who you've got. Yeah, well, this trust is probably the flame out of the century, at least in the Western world so far. I think uh, that would be tough to beat. But yeah, mine also tough to beat. Uh, and also uh, a woman. Mm. Can you guess? It's Danielle Smith. Nice. Of Alberta. <laughs> hands down. At least I was going to say hands down to you reminding me about Liz Trust. But yeah, Danielle Smith <laughs> is still uh, a work in uh, progress. You know, Alberta thought. Jason Kenney was bad, and Canada thought Jason Kenney was bad. Uh, I don't think it gets much worse than Yen, than Daniel Smith. Mm. Of course, I guess I have to say, because I said off the top, it's not at all because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. It's because that she has this alternate universe level of, of, of it's not just right wing, it's beyond that. Mm. It's Trumpism, it's conspiracy talk, like her, you know, 
hydroxychloroquine really works or uh you know smoking is you know <laughs> smoking actually cures certain things I'm like what are you talking about and we've talked about this she's come up before mm-hmm. but just just these little uh things and this, uh, some a lot of that came up before she was elected to the job of being mm-hmm. uh, well premier leader of, of the ucp and so by extension the premier of the province so as yet untested, there still hasn't been an election that's coming next year. So, of course, everybody's like, okay, well, we'll just wait until then. Mm-hmm. But has managed to put her foot into it every other day. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned Boris Johnson there, she also reminds me of him in some ways because he he was allowed a certain amount of leeway. The, the system in the UK is a bit different than ours. But in Canada and, well, in the UK as well, you can only put your foot in it so many times. And it does it, it doesn't even matter what your politics are. I don't think she you know Daniel Smith is going to uh, probably prove this around election time when it comes in Alberta because I it it's at least I my prediction is how large is the defeat going to be? Mm, mm-hmm. you know, conservative UCP whatever in in Alberta will win certain ridings, but if you cannot convince uh, the the major centers and those around, it's I mean it's the same in federal and probably any Canadian election. If you can't, if you can't convince the urban uh, majority, uh, you're, you're not going to win. So there's that to contend with, but uh, lots of examples. Uh, let me just go to this. What was this past week when she was comparing the, con- the treatment of indigenous people to uh, <laughs> the treatment that the province is getting from the federal government. Yeah. And immediately the reaction was immediate the the uh the chiefs uh in alberta were like well we did we sat down with her but you know what she doesn't she doesn't really understand what's going on they're like you know she she doesn't get the really she doesn't understand the relationship so why is she equating of course she had to apologize continuous Mm. continuous apologies not to mention that uh she might be and i don't particularly like this phrase pretendian as well saying well i have a cherokee ancestor and it's like Somebody did the homework and it's like, uh, you don't actually have it. You, you just think you do, which is also trending in Canada, actually. And that's probably another story for another day. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these levels of the, the the problem is. And I don't know if it's really a, it's it's a problem in that when she says she says things that are ridiculous with such confidence. <laughs> and we talked about this, too. It's a, because because she's very well spoken. Mm-hmm. It seems as if it's the logical thing to say. But a lot of what she is saying is not only factually incorrect, it's just gibberish. Mm-hmm. And that's no way, and I've said this, regardless of your politics, to make policy or to govern. Let alone, if she was a backbencher, you'd say, well, okay. You know, there are backbenchers with varying opinions. Um, usually they get whipped into shape, come votes, uh, come voting time on anything, whether it's in parliament or, or uh, during elections. But uh, yeah, it's just like, She's going to be a gift that keeps on giving for a few months more, at least. But uh, I'm not. Do you know when the Alberta election is? I'm not even sure. I just know it's next year. It's May. It's at the end of May, 2023. Yeah. So we've got we've got a few more months of just WTF moments coming from the Premier of Alberta. I don't know if her t- tenure will be short, but uh, I'll be I surprised mean, if this keeps up. I'll be surprised if she can pull it off. But you know. Well, never, it's, never, right? <laughs> ne- never say it's never. Alberta. I mean, it's so bizarre. Some of the thing, like the whole thing, is, I don't, I don't understand how you don't know that you're entering into like, you know, uh, swamp territory when you say like things like, you know, who's been treated 
worse than Alberta in the Confederation? Indigenous people. It's like, like how... You can hear the groans. Did you you see the bit? They're like (laughs) audibly groaning. (laughs) It's like, how are you so like? When I heard that, all I thought about was the line from Animal House: "Fun, uh, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to lead your life, son." Um, It's (laughs) except she's not fat; she's not drunk. But you know, the, the, the intention is the same. It's just like, how are you? the premier of of this pr- province and and I'm, we know exactly how and it's it's kind of how liz truss became prime minister um where it's like it's there a, are it's some a, parallels there although i think liz truss is definitely uh smarter let's say well i, I think she's shrewder um hmm. i don't know if she's smarter but yeah it, you know all of these things that she's doing and you know on top of it, alberta sovereignty um the the anti-vax stuff that you're talking about it just you know the, these are not the things that i think um everyday working albertans kind of care about they are stuff that freedom convoy people care about and that maybe gets you um elected to party leader and we may be talking more about that later but Mm. um (laughs) but you know they're not the stuff that's going to go out and win a general election you know and you know she's going to be standing next to rachel notley who's going to seem cool calm collected um and has been premier before and has has been premier before experience there yeah um yeah, it, and it's just you know, you have to wonder what they're thinking and and what she's thinking, and um, it'll be interesting to see because um, the last time the last time she had to campaign province wide as a leader was when she was a leader of Wild Rose, and oh, even then she was yeah. like she was too much. Um, that even you know people fed up with you know the conservative party at the time, you know. Uh, she couldn't make that breakthrough, and and then and then she crossed the floor with most of the Wild Rose Caucus and joined the Conservatives. So it just this I I, I don't think she's a, she may be a very good radio personality, but she's not a very shrewd political player. Anyway, uh, that's the worst politician of the year. So uh, we're going to move on to good news story of the year. Scotty, you go first. What's your good news story this year? This is a bit broad, but I think even with all of the challenges out there, there's still, you still see people that are politically engaged. So mm-hmm. to me, the good news story is that there are those that will kick it up a notch uh, when duty calls, right? Mm-hmm. When it's crunch time, we've seen it with the uh, the hubbub over Bill 23. We've seen it with uh, the various labor disputes in the province in that there was there's something brewing a lot of it is coming out of COVID, I suppose, but uh, there's, you know, it's it's one of those contrasting things in that there's always talk about, you know, people's interest in politics is down. Uh, as we always talk about the, uh, the amount of people you can get out to the polls is down. But yet there's still this kernel of if you if conditions are right, that people will um, come back or <laughs> not come back, but pe- pe- people will be there when duty calls right so mm-hmm. um i know that's a bit broad but it, it it is a noticeable thing at least i you know you notice the pattern over the course of the year is that um there's i think that the you know by extension or where i'm going with this is that civic duty and civic engagement is is an important thing mm-hmm. so i don't think you can stress enough that you know when you when we see these things when you see people uh stepping up for their Either political opinions, any regardless. Well, there there is a limit to that, I suppose. The, the convoy is a let's let's park the convoy. 
literally <laughs> parks the convoy over here somewhere. <laughs> I think it extends from not just, and probably some of you experienced this over the holidays with drunk uncle coming to your house. Hopefully your gathering was small and you followed the protocols. Uh, you know, if you take the time to engage somebody immediately in your family, but then there's the bigger picture stuff. And I would also extend to people that uh, if you, if you haven't yet, you should probably get more involved and active in the um, let's mm. just say that the, the political question or whatever of your choice, because it's, it's, it's so important. So you can see the, the, the it's, it's always on simmer, but uh, without without people getting civically engaged and staying civically minded at all levels, but also in extra political things, uh, if we if we don't do that, then we are probably sunk society wise. Yeah, and, and it's important to note because there is a lot of you know trepidation out there about you know some activists concerned about sort of making their names and faces known because that leads to. I mean, even even non-activists understand what it's like to be attacked. You know, I was thinking of the the guy who was the head of health and safety at Twitter, who Elon Musk you know, like kind of named and shamed online, and then people were <laughs> issuing issuing him death threats so bad that he had to leave his house and go to an undisclosed location. And so, I mean, that, that so that thoughts in the back of people's heads. I don't know. Her, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but one of the people I'm thinking about is the the young woman in Ottawa who sort of led the the pushback against the convoy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, by, you know, bringing the suit and um, like that, that was huge because she knew she was going to get dumped on, but you have to put a face to these things sometimes and you have mm-hmm. to persevere in the face. And it was especially hard for her. Cause she was a person of color. She was a woman of color and that, you know, seeing a woman of color uh, talk out loud, uh, seems to be very triggering to some people. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it was a, it was a creative approach as well too, though, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. she's smart enough to be able to do that, and that's that's exactly what the kind of thing uh, that needs to that needs to happen, right? It's mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say too that you know I think maybe we you, you're you're hesitant to take sort of lessons from the Freedom Convoy, obviously, but you know uh, in terms of activism, those were people like who held the downtown of one of Canada's biggest cities, its capital city, for weeks, mm-hmm. and police didn't seem to want to do anything. Um, so, you know, maybe activists shouldn't be afraid to to sort of be more disruptive. Well, I think the, the fear is part of it, and the, the beating that you do take, Yeah, and a lot of it is very extreme. You see all, all the time, particularly with Twitter and other, and other uh, social media, that it's no holds barred, and it's probably mm-hmm. completely out of control, and well, I mm-hmm. guess talking about the demise of Twitter is... Uh, it's always been a bit of a cesspool, but I think it's going to get worse. So, well, yeah, it's uh, it, it, every day. It seems it seems to be Elon Musk is finding like, hey, who's the new worst person I can let back on a platform? <laughs> but again, the, the whole what 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 the Freedom Convoy I think proved is that you know uh, size does matter. If you can get enough people to come out, um, overwhelm the you know overwhelm the place show like and that was the thing about the the teacher strike you mentioned is um it wasn't just uh the education workers were on picket lines you know you mm-hmm. you you went down to the picket and it was like uh teachers it was other public sector workers but i mean bigger than that it was like the carpenter guys and the 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 other trade unions cuz th- that was where the the ones that supported ford in the right. last election 
right? Because they're throwing money at getting people into skilled trades, which is needed, obviously. But, you know, uh, it shows that, you know, solidarity matters. And, uh, you know, you if if one union is being attacked, it's attack on all unions. And and that's something everybody proved. Um, because, boy, was there an all-you-can-eat buffet at that like, 12th bucket? And <laughs> that's because, like, everybody was coming down, bringing food, bringing support, like 100 people on the sidewalk at any given time all day. It, it, it really was kind of incredible and then when you know what monday comes around and doug ford's like hey you know hey we're just fooling with the whole you know breaking your charter rights we're gonna take it back don't worry we're just you're just giving something to try we're just throwing out ideas you see but uh yeah got a result right that's what that is what needs to happen <laughs> yeah beyond elections right so well speaking of election results my good news story of the year is the collapse of mega in the u.s midterms (laughs) uh and and, you know yeah republicans won the house they got nine seats um democrats however did win the senate picked up a seat in the senate so that's not too shabby either the point is these are supposed to be routes these like midterm elections after a new president is elected it's supposed to be like a complete and total repudiation of the sitting president and his party on average 26 seats switch places um it's been bigger in recent years it was 68 in obama's first midterm it was 40 in trump's first midterm and i you know the fact that a number's gone down speaks to the you know the gerrymandering and things but um yes the democrats lost nine seats in the house but 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 uh they held on to all the senate seats plus gained one that's the first time that's happened since the 30s uh, they had held on to all the governor's mansions. They flipped four um, state legislatures, um, both houses in in Michigan and then the Minnesota Senate. Uh, and I can't remember the other one. They flipped four governor's mansions. Uh, mm-hmm. So in Massachusetts, Maryland, Minnesota, um, they uh, now have complete control in four new states. So they have unified government, which is one of those kind of rare things in u.s politics but um they have unified democratic government in four states including massachusetts maryland minnesota and michigan uh this is this was interesting from the washington post in january uh 140 million americans will live in states that have complete democratic control as opposed to 131 million americans who will live in states with complete uh gop control and you know that's Everyone else has some sort of some kind of like mixed control. But I mean, that's really that's really interesting because um, this was supposed to be a big Republican year. It wasn't. And it only gets harder from here, of course, like the the Senate map for the Democrats is utter and complete garbage in 2024. But it's but I mean, it's true. There, there, There was more good news for Democrats and to see. I mean, yeah, J.D. Vance won in Ohio, but he didn't win by that much. And this guy, Ted Budd, um, who was revealed in the Mark in the Mark Meadows text that uh, Talking Points memo uh, uncovered. Uh, he's one of these guys who said, we got to fight this election because it's all Soros's fault. Now, you know, that guy was in the House. Now he's a senator. So, I mean, that's not great. But on the other hand, Mehmet Oz is in the senator. And Herschel Walker isn't a senator. <laughs> and Blake Masters isn't a senator. And Blake Masters, who's like this Peter Thiel acolyte, puts out this famous campaign ad where he 
goes out into the desert and fires off a couple of rounds with a Walter PBK with a silencer on it. And, and everyone joked about how he looks like a total and complete serial killer in this ad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm inclined to agree uh, having watched the ad, but yeah, like some of the craziest of the crazy characters um, and you know, all of whom are Donald Trump endorsed um, just, you know, uh, could not close the deal. Meanwhile, if you were a quote unquote, normal Republican, which, uh, I think it's I think it's a pretty generous term. You weren't able to seal the deal. Uh, also, all of these people who were fervently like stop the steal, um, almost all of them uh, suddenly realized that maybe you, elections aren't stolen. Um, the one exception, of course, is Carrie Lake, who's apparently still fighting yeah. in Arizona. But I mean, you, so you can't win them all, um, but, but you can win enough of them to um force a party leader to um retreat into um his his happy space of grifting and releasing you know nft trading cards which oh that was fantastic i have to say <laughs> which some still somehow managed to sell out two um, glorious <laughs> minutes that i recommend anybody watch trump's uh nft release video it's just it's, beautiful. it's like a saturday night live sketch without saturday night live like it's the real i was at first i'm like no this isn't real it's like oh my god after the second viewing it was like it's totally real (laughs) and fabulous it's fabulous and it's it's like it just proves everything i I can't believe it took this long for the let's call the decline of trumpism but that's Mm. that's what's happening Mm -hmm. folks are finally seeing the writing on the wall i don't know why it took this long Mm mm-hmm but uh, politics is a long game generally, right? But I, I don't, I, you know, it's 2024 is going to be, or the lead up to 2024 is going to be interesting too, because it's, right. Trump is determined to run, but it's who is, you know, is DeSantis going to be there? I don't know. I don't, like, he's well, not the, that far off the mark. It's just that, well, he's not Trump or, yeah. Well, DeSantis is an interesting character because I think he's like completely untested and, you know, he's someone who's really good at stunts, but, you know, you gotta, gotta be, you gotta give people something more than stunts. And I think when he's gonna, be, when he's on a dis- debate stage, whether that's against D- Trump or against other Republicans or against Biden or whoever ends up being the Democratic nominee, I think he's gonna fold. Yeah. I think he's gonna fold cheaply. And um, I, I just, I don't think he's the superstar a lot of people think he is. But we'll see. Yep. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here and then come back with our second half of the award show hopefully we will not go over time like the oscars uh but special (laughs) we keep it tight we keep it tight we'll be right back you're listening to open sources guelph here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio From 1987, and surprisingly, not a hit. 
Although it made a bit of a comeback considering the times. That was, as everybody knows, R.E.M. from the album Document. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. It sure is. It's interesting that wasn't a hit, because anytime you see a... Everybody knows it, but yeah, it it didn't chart in Canada both times it was released as a single, if I understand Hmm. it right. Because we don't want the producers getting upset, you know, us playing a hit. So that's right. That's right. Uh, no, two hundred million listens on Spotify. So it's like, yeah. Oh, is that right? It's a hit in the people's hearts. Let's say. Fair, fair. Uh, famously, also this uh, the song, no doubt, played um, first thing uh, in the millennium on the MTV New Year's Eve at the turn of the millennium. No doubt, played. It's the end of the world as we know it. Oh. Never heard that one. There's a few versions, I guess. Bit of trivia for you. Yeah. All right. Dumpster Fire of the Year time. This is by all means the I think the favorite category of the year. And I I, I am I am curious if this is where we're gonna get some crossover. It's possible. Um you wanna do like a say it at the same time? Say our our picks at the same time. Do a three okay. to one and then say it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Dumpster fire of the year. Three, two, one, freedom. Healthcare. Oh. What was yours? I missed it. Freedom Convoy. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. (laughs) We still haven't crossed over yet. That's amazing. Okay. You two talk about healthcare. Healthcare, as we know, complete dumpster fire, not just in Ontario, but across Canada, a country with socialized medicine that is just getting clobbered. And it's not just allegedly socialized. Allegedly socialized. It's getting worse. I saw some comment about, well, you know, the, and I don't like these terms. The first world is now realizing what third world medicine is like. Mm. And that's very true. Mm-hmm. Change the language up a bit, but I'm just, I'm sort of freewheeling here in terms of what was said there. Uh, slammed due to the pandemic, of course, that was already teetering before that, as we know. Mm-hmm. Hallway medicine is not new. In fact, one of the promises from Premier Ford was we are going to end hallway medicine well. You've got people lying in the hallways. You've got people dying in the hallways of hospitals across the country. Uh, and, and now we're at the point where it's the kids. It's affecting. I, I think I had said this when the pandemic started. I was like, what is it going to take? What mm. will it take for people to take these things seriously? Will it take children dying? And you hope when you say something like that, that that's not what's going to happen. It is exactly what is happening in places mm-hmm. across this country. You at you know lot and everywhere, generally, this is what is happening, right? So, um, the provinces are getting together and demanding oh, we need more money. The feds are saying, "Well, you need to explain to us where this money is going to go because we just keep giving you, you know, we keep giving you cash, giving you cash." Yeah. Um, Jugmeet Singh chiming in, siding with the premiers, saying, "You know, they really, we're, you know, the federal government really needs to do more." Mm-hmm. In the midst of all of this talking, we've got the evolving disaster, effectively collapsing. We're at, we're at the level where like every city of a certain size needs a mash hospital or doctors without borders to come and help out. It is that bad. Mm-hmm. And yet we just sort of lumber on. And of course, holiday season, once that comes and goes, the predictions are, well, you know, it's going to be, we're going to see this will be worse, that will be worse, COVID will be worse. Uh who knows whether they're bringing MERS back from the World Cup and sending that across the, across the world? Yeah, like I might sound like a bit of a germaphobe, but that's because uh, there's good reason to be very concerned about everything that is out there right now, and there are precautions that we can take for all of these things. And I've noticed 
trending is well you should wear a mask because of the flu or you know it's all the, all these other things rsv uh it's almost as if covid has been been bumped aside from all the other things that are going on you know you mm-hmm. should you should have the standard of hygiene for all things right mm-hmm. right now until until these things until this is under control and when i say this i mean the disaster mm. it's beyond if we've gone beyond if it's possible we've gone beyond coronavirus now right it's mm. just just a you know unmitigated disaster with with no with no control so it's like you know, it's snowballing now <clears throat> i don't know what this show will be. i mean i'll probably pick the same thing in 2023 mm. uh i can say well, i wouldn't say with certainty but there doesn't seem to be a plan anywhere that's going to help with this and does the demolition of the system which i think is what a lot of premiers and a lot of governments secretly want will that fix it it won't no and it's just won't. and i i'm my, my I'm kind of more likely to side with the feds on on this too. It's like, show us where you want to spend the money. And then the premiers are like, F you do. You can't tell us what to do. And it's like, well, on the other hand, Doug Ford didn't spend a billion dollars in healthcare and cut the deficit by a billion. Um, You know, uh, it's, it's, it's a little hard, you know, the court says, Hey, Doug Ford, get rid of bill 124. It's like, nah, I think we'll appeal it. And it's like, well, are then are you terribly interested in really solving the problem then because you're not spending the money you're saying you're going to spend you don't follow the courts when they tell you to do something so i think the, the feds are within their their right to say you know what maybe we maybe we want to see a plan before we write you a check i don't know um but yeah I, I, the disaster is fair i think and this t- kind of ties into mine too um you know mask wearing it's not a complete cure but i think if there was more mask wearing, we would probably see the problem not be as bad. Um, and and we have governments right now that are incredibly reticent to say, like, hey, put on a mask. And I think that has a lot to do with the, the politics of the Freedom Convoy. They don't want to stir that up again. Um, we have a, a collection of governments across this country that it, that are the go along to get along people. And so like, Hey, can you please like, maybe like, if you, you know, if, if, if it's not too much effort, like put on a mask, can you please like, that would help us out a lot. You know, I'm not saying we're not saying it's a mandate, but like, hmm. could you like, please like, you know, it's not that bad guys. Could you please like, and it just, instead of, I mean, I mean and this, this is kind of the original sin of the pandemic where, you know, we, and I understand at the beginning because of supply issues and, and things, they, they wanted to keep PPE for, you know, medical people, but you know, the, 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 the original sin I think of the pandemic was instead of saying to, in order to get back to normal, wear a mask, it was wear a mask and then we'll get back to normal. Um, and now, now we're kind of seeing the result of that. And, and of course, like mask wearing, I mean, flu colds, what went away when everyone was wearing a mask? The flu and colds. So mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of effective, guys. <laughs> yeah, and the other precautions that came out initially when there there was no vaccines and no hope on the horizon, the two meters, the not going to certain things, um, you know, changing changing behaviors, mm. talk of ventilation, but I don't know if those improvements happened. In yeah. fact, I know that those improvements were not as widespread as they should have been, and until those things happen, uh, we're we're just going to see this. But yeah, it's the 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 whole um, 
mode. I, I think some of it is the the fear of politicians and others uh, of having to deal with the onslaught, which we kind of mentioned before about you know you if you're politically active or have an opinion and you're on Twitter or whatever, then they will just pounce on you. Mm. I think the the part of the fear is is of the pounce mm. because it is it's a minority. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to be you know, respectful of certain minorities, but you know the, the the convoy is something else altogether, right? Right. And I, I said this before. It's like if you don't if if you don't want to wear a mask, okay. If you don't want to, fine. You know that that's your belief, and you're you're also allowed to express those beliefs. But that ends when you're like <laughs> when it turns into like uh, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, uh, all of that, just pure hate, uh, misogyny, like. That's not how this works. You can have the opinion that you have, right? right? right. But if you're if you're gonna, it, it comes down to you know, somebody's in the the, the zares and they're barking their head off beside you because they <laughs> believe that you know masks don't do anything and it's fine as blah blah. blah. It's like that. Yeah, that's this, this is the problem that we have. Or in the line at the pharmacy, like, do you have any cough syrup? It's like you're maybe- not even you're not even trying. It's like you, you've <laughs> earned the you've earned this. You've earned whatever the hell it is you have. In my opinion, right. Mm, mm. So well, if my opinion is like stay, it's not only stay the hell away from me, but it's like if we <laughs> don't do something about this, then it's just going to keep going. So what what is it going to take? <gasps> the thinning of the hurt, like. Well, I mean, in the United States, what are they saying that like maybe one million people have died from COVID who yeah. didn't need to have? Yeah. So yeah, it's. No one yeah. needs to die of it if we take precautions, right? But it's yeah. it's just, it's just not happening, and that's this is the this is now the great unknown that we can do we could do a lot, but no one is doing anything. So we we have we're on we're going on year three, right? Yep. So. Um, is the well, convoy well, going to have its reunion? Do we know this? I, I don't know. They said they were they're going to go back to Ottawa in February. So great Stay question. Tuned, right? <laughs> great question and great segue to to as uh, you know my dumpster fire, which uh, was the Freedom Convoy. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not just a failure of. Well, I'm just to say it's like a failure of disinformation and misinformation, but it's it's really not. It's like a, a success story of disinformation and conspiracy culture and all of that. The failure was in the the reaction on the part of politicians, on the part of police, um, and and we have really not really gotten to the bottom of that yet and the, the interesting thing about like people are like let's go to freedom convoy 2.0 in february it's like well what is the freedom convoy about this time it was supposed to be about the border being shut down to people who haven't gotten vaccinated and mask wearing and mandates and lockdowns that stuff doesn't exist anymore <laughs> um all the mandates are gone all the lockdowns are gone nobody's talking about lockdowns nobody's talking about mask wearing even so like what are you protesting and that's always been the core thing about the freedom convoy and, and when people talk about like well somebody like trudeau really should have negotiated with them it's like who is he going to negotiate with the people who are anti-mask or vaccine hesitant was he going to like um negotiate with the ones who think he's a George Soros plant and want him to resign and um, want him to surrender to the queen or whatever. Or was he <laughs> supposed to, was he supposed to negotiate with the grifters like Ramona DiDillo or Chris Sky and like the, the, the tagalongs who saw what was going on with Ottawa and then like lead footed it to, to uh, the, the convoy so that they can get their 15 minutes. It's crazy. And then uh, the flip side of it too is, um, what are the long-lasting? I mean, we talked about Daniel Smith, but Pierre Polivier, 
Uh, he oh. merges as the leader of the conservative party because of the freedom convoy. Aaron O'Toole does the right thing and says, I'm not meeting with these people. And he's out. He's just yeah. out. You know, uh, Canadian forces veteran, um, upstanding businessman, non-offensive, like chamber of commerce type Aaron O'Toole. He's out because he won't meet with the crazies. Um, <laughs> yeah, Gare was my runner up for worst, but yeah, he's, that's cut, cut of the same cloth as, as Daniel Smith. It's like, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, what I think hasn't been addressed and I'll, I'll be interested to see how much the, the final report in February addresses it. Um, it's interesting all this coming together in February and the one year anniversary, but, um, how much support was there for the convoy in the police departments? in Mm -hmm. in governments you know were people handing off um intel intel yeah exactly who was handing off intel um that's that's gonna be interesting that's like finding that out that is the information i want from that final report like whether or not the emergency act was valid i think I think people are sort of baked in the cake about that but i i'm very interested in finding out just exactly who was um, which I guess which side people were on inside the Ooh, it's going to be a busy year for the OS team. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> is it ever not? Right? Is it ever not? <laughs> it's yeah, there's no such thing as a slow never a dull here. moment here. Open source. I mean, at the very least, there's no elections next year, uh, the, or that we know about. I oh, guess maybe. technically the federal elect the federal government could fall, but uh, we'll see what happens anyway. Um, let's get all that out of our system and talk about our our the best politician of the year in our opinion. So you, you go ahead. What's your pick? My pick. And I think this might be where we cross over is Zelensky. Oh yeah. He's not your pick. Uh, no, I, I did pick someone else. Maybe a runner up. Okay. So, but definitely uh, a runner up. Yeah. I, I need to kind of uh, couch this a little bit because I have to maintain my whole, anyone that's in the Pandora papers, I don't completely trust. Uh, so that's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into it too much. This is all bef- before the, the Russian invasion. But uh, yeah, there, there's, you know, there's, I would say there's no world leader that doesn't have some sort of scandal brewing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Also, you know, suspension of trade unionist rights and these kinds of things that have gone on in uh, Ukraine, along with certain political parties. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's put that aside. Mm-hmm. He is the best in that. He is the right person for the job at this time. Mm. And the reasons that, well, one of the key reasons, and this might sound a bit weird or contradictory, but it's doing things like having this. I don't know if you saw it, Adam, the sit down with Letterman yep. in the Kiev subway. Yep. That is master class in terms of how to engage not only your population, but you are bringing the world's attention to the situation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, being somebody, Zelensky is someone from a, he's a comedian, but from a media background, right? Had like a, a media outfit, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. That was his, that was his gig. And I, I don't, I think he trained as a lawyer. So he's not, he's, you know, this, this is a smart guy. Um, and unlikely, and that's part of it too. He is the most unlikely person for this job. How many people put a show together, a TV show about, somebody who's the unlikely person to become the president then becomes the president. And then that happens in real life mm-hmm. <laughs> with a, something like a 75, he was elected with a mass, like a majority that people uh, in Canada and other places only dream of. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that is, as I said, that is, this is master class stuff. 
up and he's you know throughout this the conflict the war the uh, special operation whatever the hell you want to call it engagement is so important it reminded me of because i happened to see uh, a few months ago was talking a show i think it was on tvo was talking about how the royals uh, and this is this isn't a megan and harry story it was how the royals in world war ii in london said well we really need to do something so they got out and about and they were crawling through the rubble and they gained so much respect when london was you know thousands and thousands of people died in london when it was being bombed in world war ii Zelensky, st- you know stays in kiev the, the Kremlin thought he and Putin thought he was going to be gone in days. They're just going to cave. They're just going to capitulate and look where it is now. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just that kind of stuff is, is phenomenal. Right. Mm-hmm. Considering the, considering the origin story of this guy. And it's like, well, we don't know. He's, he's a comedian. He is a clown. Like I'm not saying a, a clown in quotes, but they, you know, that was his job was to make people laugh. And the absolute most serious thing happens. Yeah. Uh, so that you know, for for that he's, uh, and I know you know, time picked him as a person of the year, and I guess also what was it, the spirit of Ukraine, or they they do this kind of yeah amorphous thing, like it's the the people, which is which is very true, which is very you know that's it's 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 well earned. Um, <laughs> hey, remember parasites? I was like, well, Putin's been man of the year, and Hitler's been man of the year. Well, it does it doesn't mean you know they're the necessarily the best man of the year. I think Stalin got it twice. So, well, you know, you don't put too much weight on time's person of the year or concept <laughs> of the year, but, uh, you know, it's significant. There was that time when uh, Time Magazine put, like, uh, like a reflective cover on it and said, you're the person of the year because of all yeah, the old content creators. Well, thanks, you yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. t- time is not always... I was gonna put say total time. weight on the open sources picks though, because they're always a winner, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was gonna say time is not always on your side, but uh I digress. Um yeah, Zelensky was a it was a solid runner up uh choice. Um yeah, because it, it, for for Ukraine's I mean the war is almost one year old now, so it, that, that Ukraine is still hanging on. It looks a lot. I mean, a lot can happen, and they're talking about Russia massing on the border for another invasion. It's you know from glutton. Belarus. Yeah, yeah like the gl- dynamic is gl- going to change. <laughs> Gluttons yeah. for punishment. And I was watching. I was watching the news the other day, and they they showed this like propaganda video for like recruiting to the Russian army. It's like, uh, you know, come and join the Russian army and like learn great skills and get the respect of being an honored Russian veteran. And it's like, uh. You really think there's anyone in Russia who's buying this who doesn't know that if they sign up for the military, it's a one-way ticket to the Ukraine war? Uh, it's somewhat doubtful, but yeah, uh, so, uh, Zelensky does get a lot of credit if you know for for not not just um, I guess good leadership generally, but also being good being good on the international media stage. And I mean, we hate to say it that put that much beneficence on sort of the media spin on all of this but you got to be good at that and he's been very very good um my best politicians is a little closer to home um so i'm giving it to the five new guelph city councillors um just as sort of like a, a nod to the changing face of our council and this is nothing against the the five people who are departing (laughs) <laughs> um, but you know, some of whom I admit are on the older side. Um, they're on sort of like a pre-internet generation side, so that there's a lot of Ludditism um in, in some of the former counselors, uh, not very tech savvy. 
um, not perhaps not as representative in terms of you know where they come from, uh, who they are, and you know. Here we have a new council coming in, and this is by no means a judgment on like if, if you disagree with some of the few decisions they've already made, or you know where the the next council might be going in terms of policy or budget or whatever. But you know we have a council now where it's majority female, seven plus uh, a non-binary person. Uh, we have a council now that has one person of color on it. Not great representation, but better than no persons of color on council. Um, <laughs> Keep in mind, too, like Guelph has always been kind of at the forefront of these things. In in the year 2000, Guelph had a female mayor, female MP, female MPP, and a female chief of police. That was in the 2000, uh, the year 2000. So uh, things, uh, you know, changed obviously very quickly, uh, but... It, it did seem like for a great while Guelph was more progressive and it feels like we're, we're kind of back on a progressive tactic. And I also, I also want to highlight too, when you have counselors Klassen and, and counselor Chu, you bring the median age of council down about 10, 15 years, which, mm-hmm. <laughs> which helps, you know, they're young professionals. Um, counselor Caton has a, like a fascinating tech background, literally working in Silicon Valley. You have uh counselor Richardson who brings, uh, you know, experience in healthcare, you know, not, not exactly a city issue, but uh, the city is sort of being forced to dabble in these things. Plus she's an employee of Wellington County. So you get that sort of sort of um, better connection between the city and the County. So there's, there's a lot of interesting possibility with this council that I'll be interesting to interested to see how it pays off. So this is kind of like a, I guess uh, an endorsement. Like, let's see what you guys can do, because and again, it's nothing against the last council, some of whom I like very much. But <laughs> and if if you know me, you know who I'm talking about in terms of not you know not making under the limbo stick. Let's say, but um, you know, it, it's there's promise here. Uh, there's promise of a, 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 a of a council that looks more like Guelph, that thinks more like Guelph as it is right now, and not how as it was 20, 30 years ago. And I'll be interested to see what happens. And of course, this was a very this was a very busy council race. I realized that you know voter turnout wasn't great, but something like forty people put their name forward to run for city council. So this was not an easy race by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there were a lot of different people, a lot of interesting people, a lot of people with, like interesting ideas. Um, who you know were were not successful, but I I hope are sort of still in the mix, or maybe decide that there's a there's an activism role that they could have. Um, but yeah, uh, it's 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 this is this is kind of a best politician as a wish. I wish them the best. How does that yes, sound? We, we all do. <laughs> I, I'm fairly sure most people in town do. But yeah, and you mentioned the the uh, the rest of the candidates around during the election. That that was definitely noticeable. This time around, for sure, more more so than in the past, is that far more people uh, were engaged, but also the level of diversity was upped like a thousand percent. Let's say, yeah, from previous years, because I mean, you, you know, you were talking about twenty years ago, and I, that was probably when I first started in doing what we do, and that that was indeed noticeable. But you know, Guelph still being, uh, dare I say, it, a white bread uh, kind of town um, politically up until recently. And when I say recently, I mean pretty much this past election, not to diminish anybody that ran in the past, but yeah. it was certainly because because we spoke to almost everybody, everybody that wanted to speak to us. Yeah. 
certain ones didn't, and of course they all lost, which is probably yeah. You, know. you got to get that open sources bump, yo. Yeah, open sources bump is is a thing. You can ask anybody that comes on the show and has been elected in this town. Uh, the open sources bump is a thing, but uh, I'm also thankful that uh, there were two or three, let's say, uh, convoy leaning types uh, that, <laughs> didn't, that didn't get the gig, and that's important too. In my uh, in my opinion. This yes, I can go. So it's like, well, you know, it was it was uh, Guelph uh, went to bat and and uh, came up pretty good. Yeah, there there were some people who, um, yeah, we probably would not be so happy to have on the show on a regular basis. Let's say, and I'm sure they probably wouldn't want to be on the show. No, although we, as we always say, they're always welcome to come. But of course, of course, there seems to be a bit of uh, I don't know reluctance, or is it fear? We don't know. Well, we don't want to get in people's heads. Like, <laughs> but I thought we did. <laughs> that's like making. You know what we do? Are we in people's heads for an hour a week? <laughs> well, we're in their ears anyway. Get out of my head, open sources. Get out of my head. Oh, what a way to end things for the year. That's the aspirin, so we can't get any. The shelves are empty. I guess that's, that's a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the end of year eight for open sources. Now we're on to year nine. Wow. And uh, yeah, so stay with us. That's it for this week's sh- edition of the show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. Find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you would like to listen to this show again or any of our shows, you can download them from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. Scotty Hurts on Facebook, Twitter, and Mastodon. And because it's the holidays, I have no idea what's on after us. So let me say for the whole team here, happy Hogmanay, happy new year, whatever you celebrate, please celebrate wisely, but do indeed celebrate the coming of the new year hopefully it's better than the last one well that's a big hope uh i should point out too on new year's eve there's going to be the nikki dread tribute show yes so uh nikki dread did pass away this year longtime host on cfru of crooked beats and so there'll be a, a a new year's eve tribute to him as we say goodbye to 2022 and hello to 2023 and you can stay tuned for that and more. All the great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will return to you in the new year, Thursdays at 5 p.m. for more open sources. And we will see you right then. <laughs>